us lived up to our potential and managed our resources so well that we could provide for ourselves, our families, and our communities in a meaningful and substantial way. Join Step Right with Lynn, the show dedicated to empowering socially conscious individuals to manage their financial resources for the benefit of themselves, their families, and the greater community. Here's Lynn Wedham, Certified Financial Planner and Managing Partner at Step Right Capital Planning. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be back with you today. This is Step Right with Lynn. I'm Lynn Wedham, and I'm your host. I've been working in the financial planning industry for over 15 years, and I'm always excited to meet new people. Uh, so if you'd like to chat, I'm here for you. Uh, I look forward to your questions and comments. Contact me anytime by email at lynn at stepright.ca. That's L-Y-N-N at stepright, S-T-E-P-R-I-G-H-T dot C-A. Uh, so feel free to join our online chat today. Uh, find the chat button on the A to Zen website uh, by phone. Join us at 613-800-8736. Uh, when I hear from you, I'll send you a copy of Have You Filled a Bucket Today? This is a children's book explaining how doing for others makes us happy too. Our show today is called Why Saving Money is Not the Secret to Retirement. Um, and the question is then, what is the secret? And perhaps our guest, Samantha Piercy, has one for us today. So I look forward to what Sam has to say. Uh, Sam's original Why Saving Money is Not the Secret to Retirement is one of her most popular webinars, likely because people realize that conventional retirement teaching is financially impossible for most people. This causes undue stress while people attempt to get a good return on investment, save more, cut back spending, reduce fees, pay less interest. All this actually sabotages results. The real-life answer is so simple it can be learned by young children, yet it is rarely acknowledged in the financial or educational communities. What is the secret to retirement? Why does get out of debt keep you broke? And how can spending money make you wealthy? Learn it and realize significant results next year. Samantha Piercy, CFP, is an expert in methods to increase financial capacity. Her programs address the mindset of money, solid financial management strategies, income creating starting from zero, and sustainability for financial independence. She is the founder of Money Minding a blueprint for learning and applying sound financial practices regardless of current age and financial situation. Her inspiring message is revealed in her books, courses, and speaking with a guarantee of a new outlook on all areas of personal finance. Samantha Piercy, CFP, is founder of Money Minding and Money Minding Foundation. She is an expert in developing and delivering financial programs for both professional and consumers that provide opportunities to increase financial capacity and sustainability. This involves financial management, behavior finance, entrepreneurism, and a triple bottom line focus. She holds a certified financial planner designation and brings years of industry and real-world real, real world experience to her programs. She shares stories of bankruptcy, fraud, and owning a public company, as well as family finance, as she introduces a new money paradigm that includes how to create income, 
for today's as well as for lifetime financial independence. Her mission is positive and practical, where the message encourages and demonstrates the application of the information to get results. Tracy's money-minding concepts have appeared in programs for securities regulators, financial institutions, individual advisors in Canada and the United States, and thousands of consumers with hundreds of success stories worldwide. She's the author of five books and several courses on personal finance, and has appeared on radio and TV throughout North America, and is a frequent keynote to industry and consumer groups. You can get her free Triumph Over Money report at www.samanthapiercy.com. Welcome to the show, Samantha. Thanks, Lynn. Hi. Um, uh, so where do we start? Um, <laughs> well, uh, well, I think that let, what let's we begin by do... telling our listeners you're on the you're on the West Coast, so it's very early for you this morning. It is that indeed, and uh, and that's okay because it's beautiful out here. The birds are out, and yet it's a nice crisp morning, and so it's a perfect time to have this conversation over a cup of coffee. That's wonderful. So it's great to be having coffee with you this morning, Samantha. <laughs> your approach to money, <laughs> your approach to money is very different. What started all of this? You know, it's different, and yet at the same time, it is grounded in years of real practical application. What started it was when I was managing investments for people. A wealthy client who was retiring could not relax about his money. And when I talk wealthy, I'm talking several million dollars, a couple clear title waterfront homes in Victoria, which is one of our most expensive real estate um, markets in the country, and somebody who, by our standards, our Western standards, was doing very, very well, and yet worried constantly about every financial decision he made, in fact, so much so that he was doing everything he could to restrict their spending to make sure that they stayed within a couple thousand dollars a month because that was his comfort level. And honestly, out of exasperation, I went looking for a way that I could help him understand and develop his confidence in his mm -hmm. financial position so that his family could relax and enjoy this time of their life. What I discovered was that there's all kinds of how to think yourself rich information out there. There's a lot mm -hmm. of how to get rich, investing in stocks and real estate and businesses. There's a lot of how to get out of debt and how to make a budget and that kind of stuff. But from right. a practical perspective, there wasn't anything that connected to where this guy was. And okay. what happened is I started looking... And then I kept looking and looking. Eventually, I started teaching the financial curriculum for financial advisors, the, the licensing materials. And what was mm -hmm. interesting is about 80% of my students were there looking for practical ways that they could manage their money. And if I back up about, oh, I don't know, if I back way up, when I was in my early to mid-20s, I was one of those people. I'd figured out how to make a good six-figure income as an early single 20 or early 20s single woman mm -hmm. and get running into issues 
um, not not issues, but I just stuff would come up, and I didn't know how to decide. And so I tried to figure out how I could make good, wise financial decisions, and ended up taking a uh, the, the course that I could find at the time was the Canadian Securities course. And oh, of course, sure. that's yeah. a tech. Yeah, it's a very technical course. So how did this all start was really because there was a gap. And this is now 20 plus years later. And I still believe that there is a gap. There's a lot of of information on each of those categories, but that our conventional view of money is predominantly either how to get rich or how to manage what you have and that we miss the point that in order to manage it, you have to earn it first. Okay. And that the, well, the thing, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and most people would say that managing money is just common sense. You know, just spend less than you make. Um right. And right there, what we have is a view that says money is a scarce resource. Because if our entire view of it is that in order to be financially successful, all you need to do is spend less than you earn, we miss Mm -hmm. the alternative view, which is all you need to do is earn more than you spend. Mm. And obviously you have to manage it along the way. But what's happening, and and I think what's happened since World War II, um, is we've got an entire generation of people, and and I guess maybe since the Industrial Revolution and the baby boomers, and we have this huge generation that has now shifted from um, earning their income through entrepreneurial means to getting a job. And not that there's anything wrong with getting a job. It's just that we've now lost sight of the entrepreneurial spirit. And the entrepreneurial Mm -hmm. spirit is how do you create income? Not how do you go get a job. How do you create income? And that is what fuels our entire financial plan. We need to create income, manage our income and expenses in such a way that we are feeding our financial life today and um, able to maintain that throughout our life. So that that saving seemed to work for for a lot of those people that you were speaking of. You know that that traditional way of doing things. So has something changed? Well, it seems to it, really. If you go back through history, it has appeared to have worked. Excuse me for okay. the generation immediately following World War Two. And if you right. think about it, that generation, of course, experienced the baby boomers. That generation, mm-hmm. it, as a result of that, experienced all kinds of industrial and technological uh, innovations. Uh, we had massive real estate um, increases. And economically, for a very long period of time, we have uh, been able to, we've been in a rapid expansion mode. And right. that's not the reality for the generations following. And it's not been the case even prior to that. Well, and I and I would I would add that as your individual that couldn't enjoy any of his money, um, mm-hmm. you know, how successful is that too? He was very successful well, it, in 
in creating that wealth, and, and ha- he had mm-hmm. it, but he, he wasn't able to relax and enjoy it. Sure, and by that, it means he, wasn't, he hadn't learned how to spend his money. And so his right. whole plan, which is still the conventional mindset, is to save, 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 put it aside for this distant fairyland that we call retirement, and then you have something to live off of in your second half of life. And essentially, our model is accumulate assets and then use those assets to fund the second half of your life. And we are essentially saying that money is a scarce resource. You need to stockpile it and then you have to be careful. Don't risk it because it's all you have. You don't want to run out in retirement. And so we are promoting fear and scarcity and lack in our model of accumulate money for old age. And not that there's, I mean, I'm not saying that we don't want to do that. I'm saying that that our approach is how do you create income and manage your income in such a way that you are um, building and acquiring assets which are creating immediate income, which then can be used to build and acquire more assets. And so that whole process continues in this circular motion and become sustainable. Okay. It's all about and creating income, managing income, and sustaining income throughout a lifetime. Right. And and I, your your approach perhaps um, is not to leave all of our enjoyment until we're in retirement either. Would that be? Um, well, to the know how to enjoy your, your money on the way through as well. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Lynn, if I if I could uh, do anything, it would be to remove the word retirement from the discussion about personal mm-hmm. finances and instead substitute financial independence because we have this, co- I mean, the definition of retirement is to step out of active service. And we have all thought of retirement as something that happens when you are older and now you're going to step away from active service. And yet our financial goal is to become financially independent in such a way that our income exceeds our lifestyle expenses. And that can happen at any age and any level of income. It's completely dependent on how you're going to live your life. And um, it doesn't necessarily have to be when you're 65. (laughs) Right, right. It doesn't even well, we're gonna necessarily go to break. require... Um, we're going to yeah. go to break okay. now, Samantha, and uh, okay. we're looking forward to, to learning more about how spending money can make us rich. Is there a contribution that you dream of making? In society, planned giving seems to be presented as something you do once you're incredibly wealthy or planning your estate. Step Right with Lynn focuses on good money management and planning your contribution at every step based on the issues important to you. Learn how to expand the goodness around you and take responsibility for the issues important to you. Tune in for Step Right with Lynn every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on A to Zen.fm. Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham is a certified financial planner. To participate in the program today, please call toll-free in the U.S. 815-880-8255. That's 815-880-TALK. 
or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at atizen.fm. You can also make the choices to ask or comment by email by sending to lynn at stepright.ca. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. This is Step Right with Lynn. My guest today is Samantha Piercy. Um, Samantha's been telling us um, a bit about uh, a different way of thinking about money and saving and spending. Um, Samantha, I know a lot of people who spend money and they're not rich. So tell me how spending money can actually make you rich. Well, it's along the same lines as even your philosophy of, of planned giving and planned giving right at the beginning. I mean, it's really learning how to look at money from a different perspective. So we have to be able to spend money in order to live. In Western culture, mm-hmm. we don't go out and um, hunt for our food and um, build our homes from things that we scavenge. So we have mm-hmm. food that has to go on the table, bills that have to be paid, um, rent and mortgages and cars and and clothing and various things so we have to be able to spend money the problem it that comes up is if our approach is always about cutting back spending then we are reinforcing a mindset of of scarcity of not having enough of of um, living within your means is a, is a good reference point, which says that, okay, I've got this much money, now I have to manage it, and in order to be successful, I've got to really watch my pennies. And this is not about watching your pennies from the perspective of spending less than you earn. This is about watching your pennies and managing your money so that you now know how much money you need to earn in order to live the lifestyle that you um, want to live or that you're currently living. It's the definition right. of budget right out of Webster's that says a budget is planned expenditures and a program for financing them. And that is mm. what businesses and governments do. It's how we create cash flow forecasts and models. It's a very different approach that starts with we know we need to spend money how much are we going to spend it on? And then we ask a different question, which is how are we going to earn the money to pay for it? Hmm. Excellent. Um, so if getting out of debt won't solve money problems, what's the solution then? Well, the reason that people want to get out of debt is obviously they want to manage their resources efficiently. The reason that we have accumulated debt is because it's easy to access, and typically it starts off small. And it often starts off small because of not, um, because it's available, because we have a lot of marketing messages or even emergencies and, and real things that come up. And for many people, unfortunately, a significant amount of consumer debt can be accumulated with as little as a couple hundred bucks a month. Between a husband and wife, that can be as little as a hundred bucks each. But over years, a hundred bucks isn't really a big deal on a monthly basis, and it's manageable because the minimum expenses, the minimum payments aren't that significant on a couple hundred dollar visa bill. 
But what happens is it's not managed, it's not looked at that way, it's not too unbearable in terms of cash flow, Um, and, and yet at some point, all of a sudden now, the extra expense kicks in to what people um, it kicks into the monthly budget or the monthly spending, and now okay, it's a significant yeah. amount of money, and that's when people go, oh, I got to get rid of debt because I want to get rid of this expense, this interest expense, and this inefficient um, finan- um, financial stuff going on in my life. So they focus on getting rid of it because they okay. want to have more money to spend which is how they got it in the first place. So if we go back to what we just said, which is you need to know how much money you're going to spend so that you know how much money you're going to earn, Mm -hmm. then you start to adopt a different philosophy. So the whole concept of getting out of debt is not to say that you want to carry non-deductible, high-interest consumer debt, it's just that your approach almost becomes impossible because if you've been um, living a lifestyle which is, let's say, $200 more than your income for a period of time, let's say five years, and now you've got $12,000 in debt, right. it's not now just finding $100 to cut out of your budget. It's the $200 that you were currently already enjoying, plus the $200 mm-hmm. in expense for interest on that that debt, and you now have to reduce the, the principal amount. So really, now you're looking at finding about $600. And right. our concept of cutback spending is, is, is now creating extra stress and not recognizing the fact that this family was enjoying a lifestyle that was $200 a month more. So then you start to get judgments and criticisms and guilt and and fear and strife between a husband and wife, for example, Mm -hmm. as they start to um, desperately try to regain that lifestyle that they already had without stopping to really analyze what those numbers look like. The other problem with this approach of of reinforcing scarcity, lack, and fear is then it will cause people to go jumping, uh, looking for a quick fix, anything Mm -hmm. just to make it go away. And that can take the shape of, of, um, uh, well, I mean, all kinds of quick fixes. They can do... Uh, quick investment type fixes, lottery type thinking, mm-hmm. um, even some things that on the surface are legitimate and uh, reasonable. If you approach them from the perspective of quick, 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 you know, I just got to make this go away, and then I've got more money to spend, um, it doesn't connect to values and priorities and proper money management which is how do you really want to live your life in the first place and how much does that cost and why is that right. important to you? Right. It's okay to spend money on a latte and a muffin <clears throat> if, that's, if that's your peace and quiet during the day or once a week and it's mm-hmm. your little getaway in an otherwise really, really chaotic, 
hectic life, then to start adding guilt and condemnation to this latte, right? It, it it's now not recognizing the fact that for that person, that's a really important thing for them to do. So instead, right. it's like, okay, I want to spend ten bucks or whatever it is on this peace and quiet. Mm-hmm. Where can I get the ten bucks? Where can I earn the ten dollars? In order to make that, in order to enjoy that, right? And it's a different line of questioning. Yeah, and if we you have, can learn how to do that, we have a question from that. a from a caller, um, Samantha, and mm-hmm. and I think before we leave this subject, we maybe want to answer this. Um, and it's how much detail should you go uh, into in order to determine what you spend in a month? Like, do you just look at your fixed costs, or do you have to know where every penny goes? And I guess because we're talking about the latte, I wanted to come back to that question. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want me to answer that? that is that the yeah, question? Yeah, yeah. How much detail? I would say as much as possible. And a very, very, very valuable exercise is to count every single penny you spend within a 30-day period and do it right. for research not for judgment, it, and that means that if you go right. and throw 50 cents into a parking meter, grab a little piece of an envelope or something and write down 50 cents in parking and, and throw all of those receipts into a file folder or a, a, a drawer somewhere, and at the end of the month, add it all up and categorize it. It's fascinating to actually mm-hmm. get the real numbers and do it for a few 30-day increments in a row if you want to. The more detail, the better, because we know what our fixed costs are, and the discretionary ones are not... It's important to know how you want to spend your money, how you're currently spending your money, and what those real numbers are. Right. And then make Um, decisions. Right. So um, now what would you say to some people who, um, you know, you say it's fascinating and it's exciting to do this. Um, I I would think there would be a few people drag their feet at at the idea of writing down every penny. So how do we we make ourselves excited about doing that? Um, Well, you make yourself excited about doing it. I mean, sometimes you have to play, you have to... um, I'm a big believer in ambiance. And to be perfectly honest, I don't like doing paperwork, particularly financial paperwork. Sure. But I I love the results of it. And so uh, whatever it takes to make that enjoyable, if that means that you um, have to create a nice, grab colored file folders if you need to, colored pens, put on some nice music and pour yourself a glass of wine and sit down and add it all up. The reason that you're doing it is because it is going to um, give you an awareness. And Mm -hmm. if you dread it, it's because you're afraid that you're not, that you're going to then be boxed in and not be able to move through that. If you don't want to face it, it's because you think it's impossible, you think it's miserable, you think it's going to be a disaster. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and those things are the very thing that is the secret to moving through this. And in this one, I am extremely 
extremely passionate about because it is the kind of thing that has, to be perfectly honest, kind of saved my life in the aftermath of some very, very dramatic um, personal um, financial experiences, um, living through a fraud and some things like that. You don't want to do it, and the reason Mm -hmm. you don't want to do it is because you don't want to see it, and yet... You you have to be able to see it, and as soon as you do, you reduce the the negative impact, and you can start to actually um, strategize, and and you know what you're what you're dealing with, and and that is is where you get freedom, yeah. an immediate freedom. Like we're not talking yeah. about something next year. We're talking about right then and there. The second you know. The second you mm-hmm. log into the bank account and you can actually see the balance, you reduce any negativity. The second you take all those receipts and you add them all up, you reduce any negativity and you can actually start to think clearly and creatively and to put a plan in place. And you can ask some questions. You can now sit down with a uh, financial expert and... Um, get a calculator and crunch some numbers and right. you, it's very very different than just assuming or just being general so so the um you know the whole the whole thing is is to actually provide liberation not not to create um um like this this idea will uh, like spending the time doing that that work that is hard. Um, like some people would find that that thirty days difficult, but mm-hmm. it, it will be liberating in the end. Yeah, you know what? It is it is a lot of work. To be perfectly honest, my husband and I actually just recently did this, um, and um, it, it was it is a lot of work. You know, at the end of every day, it was like, okay, well, you know, how much did you spend? And, and we did it for both spending and earning because he mm-hmm. earns money from all kinds of different places. And, you know, 50 bucks here and there, and it's really mm-hmm. important to to actually get a handle on what that is. You know, sometimes it's cash, sometimes it's checks, and and so we actually did it for a period of 90 days. Mm-hmm. And what was really interesting from our cash flow perspective was we hadn't factored in his expenses for his work. I mean, we had, but we hadn't. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is he has to buy supplies and mm-hmm. then he gets reimbursed. And so there's a right. period of time where he's doing a job where the money is out of pocket first and then it comes back later. And until mm-hmm. we had done that, we actually hadn't really acknowledged that expense in our monthly outflow. Right. And it, but the well, two of us were like, oh, look at that. <laughs> Yeah, time is yeah. certainly flying. It's time for us to go to break again, uh, Samantha, and uh, we'll look forward to speaking more after the break. Perfect. Is there a contribution that you dream of making? In society, planned giving seems to be presented as something you do once you're incredibly wealthy or planning your estate. Step Right with Lynn focuses on good money management and planning your contribution at every step based on the issues important to you. Learn how to expand the goodness around you and take responsibility for the issues important to you. Tune in for Step Right with Lynn every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on atizen.fm. 
This is Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham is a certified financial planner. To participate in the program today, please call toll-free in the U.S., 815-880-8255. That's 815-880-TALK. Or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at atizen.fm. You can also make the choices to ask or comment by email by sending to lynn at stepright.ca. Now, back to the program. So, Samantha, before the break, you were um, you were telling us about um, you know creating a, a log of our spending. Um, mm-hmm. Now, if the statistics in Canada tell us that um, that people aren't saving enough for retirement or are are struggling to save money for retirement, um, how are you know what would you say to to people that have very little money saved and and what are they going to do about um their retirement well okay so this is a it's a loaded question but it's actually not that difficult what does it take in order to be able to fund your lifestyle it takes income how much income is it going to take where are you going to create that income in fact for many people that question really just creates a sense of hopelessness because mm-hmm. it is impossible to then accumulate enough money that you are then going to draw down or live off of later. And it just creates that desperation and that sense of hopelessness and completely shuts off the creative thinking of how much income do you need and where are you going to create it. And then learn to create it so that it is coming in today so mm-hmm. that you then can reinvest it and create more income and the whole process becomes sustainable. So how do you create income is the question. And that is the lost art of entrepreneurism in Western society. And it, it, I think part of the reason it's lost, this is the comment from the beginning of the show, is it's so simple it can be taught to young children. In fact, I would go as far as to say young children don't even need to be taught. They just instinctively know that if they want something, they have to go and find some money to pay for it. And, of course, they learn very quickly that they can do some pretty fun things. It's the lemonade stand mentality. Mm-hmm. And we have to be able to start small. Because, okay. as I said earlier, many times it's only a couple hundred bucks in um, right. lifestyle expenses. And so don't start to think, e-gads, I need $10,000 a month. Mm-hmm. You can make 100 And using the lemonade stand mentality um, what kind of asset do you have that you can then use to create income from? People have experiences, they have expertise, they have skills, they have passions, they have causes that they believe in. How can you do something that would also support another cause at the same time? Because now what you're doing is you're starting to look at creating income in a way that serves the, the bigger purpose in the community around you, and that will fuel your passion and take it away from your fear and egads. I'm going to end up living underneath a bridge, kind mm-hmm. of kind of um, of approach. So um, the the question is, how do you create income, and and then right. how much do you need, and to start small and to not panic about it, because as soon as you start to do that, then of course then you're operating out of fear. Okay. Um, 
Samantha, what about people who have lost money, um, you know, or, you know, have been through a rough time, have been unemployed and, um, you know, are in that, um, you know, in a real place where they are, um, you know, feeling that panic? Um, so what what can they do at that point? Well, maybe this is the time that I should say. Um, on my website is a my ebook that was written a few years ago called The Death by Money Report. It's available okay. free right now at samanthapiercy.com, and Piercy is P-I-E-R-C-Y. And um, I've been there, is what I can say. And in the Death by Money Report, you will um i introduce the concept a lot of these concepts that we've been talking about including mm-hmm. some strategies so where do you start and honestly it 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 starts with where you are and i don't mean that to be cliche but you cannot make a decision and navigate through the day-to-day financial reality from a place of panic from a place of fear and from a place of it's impossible mm. because no. it's not impossible unless you give up. And in the Death by Money report, you will find out that I am living proof of that. And if you there's a if you quit, then mm-hmm. or you your your whole your whole approach is that's it. That's you know we're done. You lose all okay. hope, you lose all inspiration, you lose all motivation to get out there and actually think creatively about how you can do it, and 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 you yeah you give up. And okay. sure, I mean I I talk about living underneath a bridge, but sometimes, not even sometimes, I would say that that it's. You need support. You need encouragement. You have to be able to um, share the situation with other people, which is a very, very difficult thing. Nobody wants to admit that they have lost money. Nobody wants to admit that they're struggling financially. Nobody, And people don't know where to turn to either, mm-hmm. and they are afraid of being judged. And that creates even more intimidation and more of an unreasonable and unrealistic um, uh, situation. Right, right. So once once you're under that cloud, um, you've got to find a way to to get out from under that. Right, and um, so so the negative a little thinking. bit. Let, yeah, and let's be a bit specific here. Honestly, the best financial planning tool that you have. And it doesn't have to be a desperate situation. It could be this realization that you wake up and you're 50 and you've got $50,000 saved and um, a several hundred thousand dollar mortgage and you're getting tired. That's Mm -hmm. not a sustainable Mm -hmm. situation. So it doesn't have to be a desperate state where you haven't worked in a long time or you've lost your job. Um, What happens... Though the best financial planning tool everybody has available to them is a piece of paper and a pencil and mm. a calculator. 
And, and again, I don't mean to be cliche, but it's the thing that nobody wants to do. Nobody wants to actually sit and face it. And then what happens is because we have to shift our perspective on it. I've got an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper in front of me right now. Typically, we look at that from a profile perspective where it's long, but if we shift that and turn it on our side, it's now landscape. And we want to shift our perspective around money so that it is um, landscape. And that means that the money is not just coming in and running out the bottom, that money comes in and then it goes out and then some more comes in and then it goes out and some more comes in and then it goes out. And along the bottom of this this now rows of in and out and in and out and in and out, we've got an accumulative total. And what mm-hmm. happens is you've got this week. Let's say this week there's um, – I'm just going to use easy. Okay, there's a – this week you've got $1,000 in the bank, but EGADs, there's $1,200 in expenses. Right. But next week, what happens? Well, next week there's nothing coming in, um, but there's, I don't know, uh, $100 worth of expenses. So now you're Mm -hmm. down $300, but oh, look, the following week there's another $1,000 coming in. Mm -hmm. And there's $500 worth of expenses. So now you're up, um, well, you've, you've recovered the $300, Mm-hmm. And you're up a couple hundred dollars. So, and then you you go, and the following there's nothing. But the problem is, if we just look at it this week, ah, I'm short two hundred dollars, right. and then I still have to eat next week. Then you go into there's not enough. You're reinforcing the scarcity. And if you project it out, then you can. And by doing it on paper and putting it in black and white, I mean even if if you go out several months. And if you're down, 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 what happens is now you know what your target is. You know what expenses come out when, what what is your spending, and mm-hmm. what income needs to come in from uh, and when in order to cover it. You can use that information to um, find ways to create income yourself. You can use that information to contact people that you owe money to, your creditors and your utility companies and mortgage company and various things, and mm-hmm. and say, it's not going to be here this week, but I can get it the following week, or what can we do? It's, it's knowledge is power. And if mm-hmm. it's just general or if it's all lumped together into a big number, then it's not as manageable as if it's broken out into small bite-sized pieces where you've also factored in the time. And this is this is financial thinking. You've got a CFP as I do, and in your financial planning school, you learn financial math. And mm-hmm. financial math factors in that a dollar today is not worth the same as a dollar tomorrow. And so we add the time value to our financial decision-making as opposed to the simple math that we all learned in school, which is your rate of return. And mm-hmm. you know, basically is money coming in and money going out. <laughs> and, and that's right. not the way we live. It's, it happens over time. And in that right. way, you really get the value of a couple hundred bucks here and there. And as right. I said earlier, we did the the expense tracking uh, for a while just not that long ago in my household 
because you know 50 bucks here and a couple hundred bucks there and a couple hundred bucks here and the next thing you know it's several thousand right but you have to actually right. recognize that otherwise it's too easy to think oh it's only 50 bucks absolutely but add it all up right add it all up and yeah. and there you go and oh look that 50 bucks that'll put a tank of gas in the car yeehaw done check right next expense right <laughs> move on Mm. Yes. So, you know, we're we're talking about so the key to a lot of this is is making more money. Is, um, is that correct? Well, no, I would say that the key is to know how much you you want to spend and you need to spend, and we've got to be careful about the use using using the word making. It's, it's mm-hmm. how are we going to earn it? So yes, the key is okay. earning income. And income, how is money going to get into your household so that it can pay your expenses? And so, yes, the key is earning enough income in order to pay your expenses. Okay. Um, And that doesn't require necessarily going out and getting a second and a third job. Right, right. Um, So what kinds of things would you... Yeah, it also doesn't mean necessarily selling off assets um, because, so what kind of things would I suggest? Let's mm-hmm. start first of all with what kind of skills and passions and interests do you have? So okay. um, I don't know if anybody wants to just throw out an idea. Um, what, kind of a, a, what kind of a hobby or an interest um, so I'm looking at my uh, my dogs have now got up and joined me, so I have two dogs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and um, so, how can you create income from dogs? For example, mm-hmm. there's a ton of ways you can actually create income from dogs, and dogs actually aren't um, aren't cheap, right? They need food and vets and various things. Yeah. But certainly, people have walked dogs. They right, have right. Um, made dog accessories. There's mm-hmm. dog food. Um, and, you know, those are things, that the accessories, the dog walking, the dog grooming, the dog sitting, yeah. those baking, are things. Baking people, biscuits? Sure, dog biscuits, exactly. Okay, now, yeah. then you've got to start to think, okay, well, that's fine, but I don't have any time using dog mm-hmm. walking as an example. Um but if you look at it from an entrepreneurial perspective, has anybody ever made a dog product and sold it any other place besides a craft fair? Sure they have. If you can make a sample and then sell a few and get a few testimonials, then could you get somebody else to make them for you? Of course you mm-hmm. could. Could you do that with dog walking even? Could you start off walking a few dogs on your own? And then could you print up a few flyers and could you then find people in different parts of the city who could then become part of your dog walking business? And so you've got a bit of an investment, but what you're doing, a bit of an investment in marketing um, right. But you're now building an asset. So if you charged somebody um, 20 bucks to walk a dog, but you paid somebody 10 
the other $10 goes towards the overhead and the marketing and the running the business. The person that's doing the, the dog walking is they're benefiting because now they're getting paid for their work. They didn't have to go out and do the marketing. They, you know, they, maybe they're doing it just for fun. Mm-hmm. It's thinking. It's like the entrepreneur or the uh, the lemonade stand. Right. A, a child right. usually does a lemonade stand with a friend. And we've all seen pictures of somebody taking that concept and expanding it big where you've got big giant lemons on the beach. Right, It's it's starting small, thinking small, and then asking how and finding Uh people that can help you expand beyond just trading your own time for whatever kind of money comes in there. And it's starting with what you have. Right. What can um, I do, and how much do I need? Right, Samantha, we've got a, a listener who ha- was who has a question, um, and the question is: Is pay yourself first still a valid um, piece of advice? Um, w- yes, and uh, yes, but what are okay. we doing it for? Because it, um, so the whole process that. Um, has been evolving in my teaching for years, is sequential. So, yes, it's a habit, and it's a, it, one that will save your life when you implement it. The problem is that we tend to think of pay yourself first as take some money, put it aside, never touch it again. And then it comes out of circulation, it comes out of being beneficial to you in any of your immediate day-to-day financial activities. So it is extremely important to have that system and that habit in place right up front because it reinforces allocating your income for specific purposes. It reinforces having money set aside for particular purposes, for particular opportunities, for particular emergencies, and for long-term investment and for short-term needs and desires like holidays and Christmas um, extra expenses and various things like that. Um, so how you do that becomes extremely important and critical to start even when you don't think that you have the, um, that it makes sense to do so now. Okay. And by that, I mean if you've got $1,000 that comes in, then just say, fine, 10% of that is going into this particular purpose and do it, even though in, in your calculations and in your head you know that you've got $1,200 worth of expenses. That's okay, mm-hmm. right, because you're reinforcing the habit. You get to the end of the first period of time and, oh, I need I need that extra 100 bucks. Great, pat yourself on the back for being such a good money manager because you've got money squirreled away for your emergency mm-hmm. and keep doing it. Right. Every time money comes in, it goes aside, it goes aside, it goes aside. In fact, I have a bit of a, a funny story because I've been doing this for so long, I don't even think about it. And um, a while ago, we had one of those things that comes up where you know the car has you know, goes in for some routine situation and comes out with a you know, a $1,200 type bill. And, right, uh, of course. That's fine, right? You know, those things happen. And so yep. I told my husband where the money was, and he said. How does it get there anyways? And it was a it was a perfect question because every week when he and I sit down and we say, okay, this is how much money we need to spend, 
where's the you know where's it going to come from? How much money is coming in? One of the spending right. items is the money that goes aside into these various pay yourself first pockets. That, you know, I call squirrel mm-hmm. money away. It gets there right. because you, you just do it. And, right. uh, and do it and do it and do it and do it and do it. So is it valid? Yes. So, Samantha, what can you tell somebody who who needs money right away? Uh, something's come up and, and they need money right away for, for something, and maybe they haven't planned for it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, how much money do you need, first of all, um, is, the, is the first question. Mm-hmm. And then what what do you have available to you? And when do you need it? And um, can you allocate or reallocate? What can you do? Is always uh, how much do you need? What is what's the whole picture look like? And what can you do? Okay. And I mean, and, and again, like in in that emergency, um, if I haven't put that money aside. Um, do I need to feel guilty about going to the credit cards to do that? Oh, heavens no. You know, hey, be grateful that you have access to it, but know that now you're adding in an expense and you have to know how you're going to get rid of it. It's just like you're now making an investment in keeping the car going. And the reason that you're keeping the car going is because that's a key tool in running your household. So right. now you're making an investment in keeping the car going and so where's the income going to come in order to pay for that added expense? And mm-hmm. that's where you've got to be able to look in a forecast, that, you know, turning your piece of paper to landscape and going forward. Right. Because if you put $1,200 on the credit card, then that's going to generate, I don't know, a few bucks in um, in your monthly payment, right. which means... It's not just your monthly payment; it's also your um, uh, the interest expense and paying down the principal. Yeah. As well, well. I'm going to so have to thank that... you for coming, Samantha. It's been wonderful. Your your insights, I think, have been tremendously valuable, um, and we'll have to have you come back to to finish this conversation. Thanks so much. Hey, have a great day. <laughs> thank, thank you for you. having me. Today. Thank you for choosing to listen to Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham will return next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Mountain, and 6 a.m. Pacific on AtoZen.fm. We hope you'll join us. Remember to celebrate your wealth by doing something for yourself, your family, and your community. Until next time.